familiar scriptures concerning the, ver- the conversion of Zacchaeus. 19th chapter, first, probably the 10 verses. You don't mind remain standing for the reading of God's word in honor to his word. St. Luke 19, 1 through 10. St. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Most all Sunday school students know this scripture. We little Zacchaeus climbed up a sycamore tree. <laughs> For his Lord he wanted to see. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. He made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, a half of my goods I give to the poor, If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Father, we're thankful for the wonderful, glorious privilege allotted us at this moment to stand in your presence, to worship you, to give honor to you for honor is due. Father, to bring this flesh under subjection that the spirit inside of us might cry out, Hallelujah, to the Lamb of God. Father, we realize we are but flesh this morning. We realize our mind is not intellectual enough to say anything that would challenge a soul or to help a soul. For we realize that through you, the power of the Holy Ghost, all things are possible. So we ask, Father, to be used this morning. We're only a vessel. You must fill it. We pray that you would fill it, Father, to running over and anoint your words and anoint the ears of individuals to hear and the heart to receive, the soul to cry out. We'll be thankful to you and give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, and we're thankful this morning for our visitors. We just ask you to worship the Lord with us and just enjoy the presence of the Lord. And we're thankful, of course, for the home folk that is always faithful to come out to the house of God and endure sound doctrine. We like people and endure sound doctrine. I want to speak to you just a little while this morning on vantage points. Vantage points. I want you to notice in the first or in the fourth verse it is where it says, And he ran, that's Zacchaeus before, and climbed up under a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Now the scripture explains to us that Zacchaeus 
desire to see Jesus. That's number one, we have to want to see Jesus. I don't think there's any obstacle that would stand in our way when we want to see Jesus. When we want to get close to him, when we want to get a vision of him. But Zacchaeus was hindered. Zacchaeus was little. And he couldn't get through the crowd, and so he needed an advantage. And so he sought and found a sycamore tree, and he climbed up that sycamore tree and had a vantage point above everyone else where he could view and see Jesus. I desired only to see him. He didn't desire to talk to him because he didn't feel like he was worthy to talk to him. All he wanted to do was just get a view of that one that he'd heard so much about. But just like Jesus, he goes far beyond our expectations, far beyond what we're desirous, far beyond what we ask for. And Zacchaeus needed an advantage, and so there was a vantage point for him. As I was reading that, of course, in the mind of God, and little things sometimes pass our attention, but in the mind of God, hundreds of years before, that tree was placed there, I think, for that one specific purpose was to give Zacchaeus an advantage. I think he recognized, oh, it served other purposes. It probably was a shade or maybe it was a landmark, but there was a tree hundreds of years old and it was going to provide a vantage point for a little man who had done everything but the right thing, and yet he was desirous to see Jesus, and God in his infinite wisdom had allowed that tree to be planted, and that was a vantage point for Zacchaeus. That completely changed his life. That turned his life around. And of course we could deal on the subject of what happened to Zacchaeus and what he did and all of that. But I want to leave Zacchaeus for a few moments. 2,000 years ago, he's dead and he's buried and his life uh, support is for us. But I want to leave him for a few minutes. I want to address us. We need vantage points to see Jesus. How many want to see Jesus this morning? Praise the Lord because he is worth seeing and he can change our life even after we see him. And even after he changes our life and turns us around, there's an erstwhile desire way down deep inside of our soul that every day that cries out to want to see Jesus. I don't know about you, but I wake up every morning. I see the world. I'm faced with problems. I'm faced with intercessory prayer. I'm faced with trying to find a message and trying to seek the will of God. And I'm faced with problems in this world and my family and around my friends and my kids and all of that. And I look out the window and I see a beautiful world. But there's something inside this soul of mine that still says, God, I want to see you this morning. I want to feel you this morning. I want to talk to you this morning. I want to walk with you this morning. There's something about the inner soul of man that cries out still for a vision of Jesus. And whether we realize it or not this morning, friend, God has provided vantage points for us. Vantage points for us. It's not a sycamore tree that we climb up, but it's a tree called the old rugged cross that was taken by hands of individuals, formulated into a cross, 
for the specific purpose of nailing the Lord of glory on. And there He is. And if we want to see Him, we're going to get to a vantage point of the cross, and there we'll find Him. We'll see an individual that was willing to take your sins and mine upon His shoulders and hang there in agony and die for us, for you and I. That's a vantage point that we have this morning. We need to see the cross. We need to see the empty tomb. And God has provided 2,000 years ago an old rugged cross for us to climb on and die out to our sins and our desires. And when we do that, we can see Jesus. The world needs to see Jesus. Christians need to see Jesus. We all need to see Jesus. And we need a visitation with Him every day. And from these points... We can see in the midst of the shadows of doubt that life does not end in death. Jesus says these words, Because I live, ye shall live also. And the cross of Christ presents us this morning a vantage point of faith and of assurance. And from this point of place in our life, it enables us to look out over this baffling world of pain. How many of you watch television? You see the reports of war and all of this thing and you see the suffering and the dying and you see the pestilence and you look around in your little town and in your little world and every place you look there's pain. Every place you look there's agony. Every place you look there's tragedy. Every place you look there's injustice. Every place you look there is cruelty. And if it was not for the vantage point of the cross of Christ that He has provided for us, we could look and say it's not worth it. But from the vantage point of faith and assurance where Jesus spoke to us and said all of these things will take place but I'll see you through them all. That's a vantage point that you and I have this morning and this vision that we have has kept the hearts of men alive has cost, caught the faith of individuals has captured a vision of individuals through life and has delivered them through bitterness and delivered them through despair and delivered us from the animosity that faces us and has delivered us from injustice and all of these things because we had advantage point we caught a vision we could see beyond this world of care and see into the blessed kingdom of almighty God and we entered in there with him he provided us that vantage point. We're too small to see it otherwise than that. We're just like Zacchaeus. We're trying to push through a crowd of this world and through the darkness of this world and through the animosity of this world and through the cruelty of this world and through the pain of this world and it's bigger than we are. It's greater than we are. Try to wake up some morning and get through this world without Jesus. Friend, it overflows you. But Jesus says, climb to the vantage point of faith. In other words, mount the cross. There where He gave us faith. There's where He took our agony. There's where He took our pain. There's where He took our suffering. There's where He ended in justice. And there's where we can see that beyond this world there's something far greater than the mind of man ever imagined. And Jesus is asking us this morning, are you tired of injustice? Climb. Hallelujah. Look, are you tired of pain and you don't know whether it's going to end or not? I don't think I'm any different than anyone else. 
I think I look out in this world and I see it and I wonder, God, are we even making a little small nick in this? Is the church really penetrating this world at all? I mean, darkness is so great. And the Bible says darkness would cover the earth. Gross darkness would cover the people. And you look at it in God's church, as great as it is, you sometimes look at it and wonder, God, are we dispelling the darkness at all? Are we relieving any pain at all? Are we easing any confused minds at all? And when you look at our own lives, sometimes we'll have to stay just in confusion. God, I can't see any difference. I can't see any difference. And then we have to realize that it's too big for us. We're small of stature. We can't see Jesus in the midst of all of this. And then we have to use that vantage point. We have to say, faith, where are you? Faith enables me to look beyond. Faith gives me eyes that I can see through the spiritual atmosphere. And assurance makes me to realize that if God said it, then I have to believe it. Something in our day and hour that we need. And this vision has kept the hopes of men alive. I wonder sometimes if we take a trip. This morning with the Apostle Paul. And we could see him in a demonstration in power and might as he preaches the word of God. And hundreds, even thousands, find their way into an altar of prayer. And he is able to establish a church in the midst of a world that is filled and defiled. And watch him as he ministers. And watch him as he builds churches. And we find that's joyous. But there come a time when the Apostle Paul needed more than his eyes could see. He needed more. He was too small to see beyond uh, uh, the Roman Empire. He was too small to see over the darkness that was crouching in. Watch him as he sits in a dungeon cell, takes his pen in his hand, and begins to write to a church that is crumbling and falling apart. And his heart is breaking because individuals at one time had life was choosing death. You watch that man as he sits down there in a dungeon cell. His circumstances said, Paul, you blew it. Paul, you wasted all your life for nothing. Paul, you're in a dungeon cell. You can't do anything. But somewhere, somehow, the Apostle Paul used the vantage point of faith and assurance that God said he would take care of everything. And this morning, I'm here to warn you and assure you that God will take care of all of our problems. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. There's not a problem that has been on this face of this earth and what God said he handled. But some way we've got to push the clouds of darkness. We've got to push the curtain back. We've got to find that vantage point. Where's it at, saints? Where's the faith that enabled the Apostle Paul to lay his head on the chop block for the Lord Jesus Christ? Where is that faith and assurance? Friend, he couldn't see it in the dungeon cell. He couldn't see it whenever he was shipwrecked. He couldn't see it when he was getting the cat of nine tails laid on his back. No, he couldn't see it from there. He was too little. And there was something embedded in him that said, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what made this man able. He had a vantage point. He had an advantage. He had the Word of God. Something that made him recognize that. You take Peter and all of that. And the martyrs, we've got thousands of them in the, in the New Testament as well as the Old, plus Fox's Book of Martyrs. What would enable an individual to be able to allow them to bind them, put straw around them, and wood around them, 
and set fire and ask them but one thing. Deny the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't have to die. Friend, they were too little to see past that, but they had faith and they had assurance and it was that faith they lived and that faith they died. And friend, we haven't saw anything in this world yet today that God is asking us to use faith. Use faith when nothing else works. Use assurance. Sometimes there's not a feeling of, of ecstasy in our life. Sometimes we just simply don't feel any goosebumps. Sometimes there's just nothing that says that God is God as far as our eyes could see. But there's an advantage that God has given us. There's a vantage point. Climb to the top of the cross of Calvary and hear the words of Jesus. And he said it is finished. And he died for us. And he received us. And his blood was shed. And he cleansed us. And friend, there's a heaven out there to gain. And there's a hell to shun. Use the tree. Use the tree this morning. Use your vantage point. You can't do it without it. You've got to see from the cross the empty tomb. That's what Jesus saw. I said, that's what he saw. That tomb wasn't empty, wasn't even prepared. But in his mind's eye, he knew he wasn't going to waste away in a tomb. Some place of my tomb, he saw beyond the pain and agony to his resurrection and his life. And not only did he purchase us through death, but he purchased us through life. And he used his vantage point. Sometimes death, to our way of thinking and death to our life, brings us life inside. Then there's a vantage point of worship, an advantage in worship. I wonder sometimes if the majority of us ever realize what an advantage it is. What advantage point it is to worship God. I think if we really realized that, I think we'd be in the house of God more often. And when we were here, I think we would be worshiping God. I'm not telling you how to worship Him other than to do it. Some individuals worship God with tears running down their eyes. Some individuals worship God with a spirit of laughter. Some lift their hand. Some get excited. Some just sit there and feel the ecstasy of joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. But worship is a necessity. And worship is an advantage. Our reverence. Our preparation for worship. I don't think we have much of that, do you? Pardon me this morning if I get a little rough, but I don't think we prepare for worship. I think things are helpless skelter. I think the devil has robbed us of our time sometimes until we just throw a few clothes on our back, head fart, and that's it. That there is a need for preparation of worship, and there needs to be a spirit of expectancy. What is God going to do in my life this morning? What's he going to do tonight? And instead of saying, oh God, it's time to go to church again. And if I don't go, that old preacher will really get on me. And of course, to some people, it doesn't really matter whether you do or not. But it's always that. But inside there ought to be an air of expectancy. You say, well, I go and it's the same old thing over and over. That's probably so. And it's probably waiting on you to change it. Amen. Waiting on you to do something about it. Waiting on you to move out in God's presence. Sometimes we don't take that vantage point at all. Worship takes us beyond ourselves. 
Oh, hallelujah. And it's dangerous when we get beyond ourselves. Oh, yes, it is. It's dangerous when we get beyond ourselves because there's no telling what God's going to tell us. There's no telling what He's going to ask us. But as long as we can maintain control of ourselves and use that self-will barrier, God can't demand too much. But worship takes us beyond ourselves. When the burdens of this world press upon us, when we're baffled and when we're lost and when we're hemmed in by circumstances, God tells us to use the vantage point of worship and come into His house and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Irregardless of how you feel in the body, you're not supposed to gauge spirituality by how you feel in the body. I gauge what I'm supposed to do by how I feel in the body. I'd have stayed home in bed. My arthritis is acting up. It don't feel very good. My throat hurts and it's sore and it's bleeding. And everything says, Brother Hoskall, you're a fool. But Jesus says it. The Apostle Paul says it. And I said, if I'm a fool, I'm a fool for Christ's sake. I don't want to fail to give my life as much to God as I did the devil. And I still owe God a whole lot. I said, I still owe God a whole lot. So we need to breathe in some fresh air. We need to realize, uh, as Zacchaeus did, that if I'm going to see him, I'm going to have to change my circumstance. I've tried my best to see him through this, this press and through these people, and I'm simply too little to do it. And friend, the world's too big for us. Amen. The world's too great for us. It's too dark out there and we'll never see Him until we find the vantage point. Till we climb someplace and catch a glimpse of things eternal and look out on this world and realize that it's going down, down, down. But I'm not. I find my substantiation in Jesus Christ. He's able to establish me. And we need to go to new realms of inspiration and vision. The Bible says without a vision people perish. Oh God, how we need a vision. And you realize most visions come from worship to God. When you look out at old Daniel, the, the author of visions almost, he hardly ever had a vision without first. He climbed a place of advantage and he looked toward the east and he threw his window open and he kneeled before God and prayed three times a day. That was his vantage point. There wasn't anything great in Jerusalem other than this is where he focused his attention because one of these days that's where King Jesus is going to sit. And so he caught his vision from worship. Amen. If we could find how to worship this morning. Hallelujah. Some way, somehow, we could shake ourselves and realize, hey, I can't see him here. I don't know where he's at. How many times have you looked around in confusion and said, Jesus, where are you? You see, you couldn't see him from where you was at. Circumstances wouldn't let you. And Zacchaeus wanted to see him bad enough that it really didn't matter to him how it looked. A little old man up in a tree <laughs> just waiting for Jesus to come by. How stupid, and he was a rich man. But he was humble because he wanted to see Jesus. 
Oh, friend, we've got a greater tree than the sycamore tree. We've got the tree of Calvary. And God asks us to climb there and with Jesus. You see, a cross is no good without a man on it. Amen? You've got all kinds of crosses, but that cross was of no value until Jesus hang on it. It was just a tree. And friend, a cross is no good anymore unless we are on it. We need to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And worship again, it's an advantage. It gets us beyond ourselves. It gets our ears to hear. Lord, I hear you. I understand your words. I hear them. I know what you're saying. And it takes us beyond our ideas and our opinions. And then he's given us another vantage point. That's a vantage point of service. Service, too, takes us beyond ourselves. You know why so many people are so self-satisfied and, and so selfish? And why there's so much, so much unrest? It's because we're all wrapped up in ourselves. Other people's problems doesn't seem to bother us much. Not even our neighbors, our friends, are, are the same ones in the body of Christ. They don't seem to get to us at all. And God has said that we, we, there's no way we can do that until we climb up and mount the cross and hang there a few minutes with Him and realize that He wasn't really doing this for Him. He wasn't suffering because He needed to suffer. He had no right to suffer. No reason to suffer other than for you and I. And He wasn't suffering and denying Himself for Him. He was doing a service for the entire world and for us this morning. He was doing a service for us. And it took him beyond himself. Had he stayed within himself, he would never have done it. But he saw pain and agony. And he saw weariness. And he saw fallen humanity. And he saw the flames of hell licking and desiring and waiting until humanity was cast in it. And Jesus knew it. So he climbed to an advantage. It seems cruel. It seems sadistic. But he gave himself. The Bible tells me he gave himself. He gave these hands that did nothing but lay hands on the sick and they recovered and even raised individuals from the dead. He was just convicted of love. And he gave these hands and he gave these feet and he gave his side and he gave his life. That was a service. That service took him past himself. What he was doing for us took him past the pain that was in his own body. Took him past the cares and took him past the idea that all he had to do is call for God and he would deliver him. Took him past that because he was doing a service for humanity. Service takes us past ourselves. It lifts us past our selfishness. It gets us where we can crucify this flesh. Mount the cross there. Allow Ourself to be nailed to that. In other words, lay it all down, cast our cares, and realize that we are suffering. When we fast, we suffer. 
not for ourselves, it's foolish, but this is for somebody else. This is taking us beyond ourselves. This is putting appetite under control. And when we pray and find some time to pray, it's not a service to us necessarily, but it's to do a service for somebody else. Interceding for somebody else. It widens our scope and our vision. I challenge you, friend. I know what I'm talking about. When your vision gets little, when you can't see any hope, and when your own life hasn't excelled or enlarged, I challenge you to start doing something for God. Start worshiping Him and start doing and being a service for Him. And you would be surprised how your vision explodes. And all at once you can see, after all, souls still can be saved. There are still individuals out there that still want God. There are still individuals out there that still need Him. And whether when we look around and see our counterparts unconcerned about God even though they have known Him it takes something out of us that we've got to climb a little higher than them we've got to look at a place that's higher than they are we've got to go where Jesus went he could see all the dastardly deeds they did to him if that's what he was looking for he could have found rejection if that's what he's looking for he could have had a place for self-pity yes he could have but he needed some place that would take him beyond himself and he realized if he could just do a service for somebody and a service he did when he gave those frail hands and never did nothing to nobody and gave his life he did me the greatest service that could ever been done and he touched your life and this morning if you've never utilized the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ don't let that service he did for you go to waste don't let it go to waste we could give somewhere somehow some word of encouragement how long has it been since you spoke to this heart and soul and said it's not really all that bad you got to remember Jesus And you've got to remember this is a trial, but it's not going to last forever. Hallelujah. There's going to be some light after the darkness. Some little bit of service. And when we do this, we're setting some motion, forces in motion, which go on and on and on. I don't know if you ever realize sometimes the things you do does not die the minute you do them, if they're for God. Any more than what Jesus did when he died. He didn't just die that moment. His death has meant salvation to the world for 2,000 years. And things we say or do, whether they are something that would upbuild or tear down, that goes in motion. And it still stays in motion. You say a cruel word to somebody about somebody else, it doesn't end there. It sets something in motion and it stays in motion until sometimes it literally destroys lives that you give some word of encouragement you say something that would upbuild and you start something in motion and it doesn't heal it's beyond our wildest dreams And sometimes we wonder 
What does love do? Being loyal to God. What difference does that make? Whether I'm loyal to Him or not, He's understanding and He's forgiving. Faith. But that exerts an influence, an unconscious influence that will follow your life and cause individuals to look at you and say there is a faith-believing individual. They have exerted an influence on my life that I will never forget. Whether this influence is good or bad, it stays. We're building for ages, friend. Ages that are unborn yet. Parents, you are touching lives of children and having some influence on them right now. And that influence doesn't die. It lives on and on. The influence you exerted on your children lives in your children and they will exert that same influence on their children. Find a home that's without God and they introduce all these type of works to their children and most likely their children will be without God. Find a home that's filled with envy and malice and disillusion and they pass that on to their children and most likely their children will come up the same way find a home that's filled with negativism you introduce that that to your children and that's introduced to your grandchildren and on and on it has an influence to ages yet unborn and you count Jesus Christ as very little just a nodding acquaintance with him and you introduce your child to that type of Christ and that's the type of a Christ that they're going to introduce to their children. You see, we unleash. We're building for ages that's not born. We labor, and others is going to enter into our laborers. And the Bible tells me that where there is no vision, people perish. There has to be a vision. Okay, where does that vision come from? You can't expect the world to have it. The only vision it has is uh, visions of sugar plums dancing in their head. Some great thing. One of these days, Lady Luck is going to smile down upon me and all my circumstances is going to be changed. That's all the world has. Living from one day to the next, waiting for something to happen. And something never happens. But to the children of God, 2,000 years ago, there was a tree that was shoot out of the forest. Can you imagine them nailing the Creator on that which He created? And they did. And it was created for that specific purpose. Because there was a vantage point that the world can see and realize. Now, I can't worship without Him. I can't do service without Him. I can't walk without Him. I can't talk without Him. I can't do anything without Him. And you can't either. We need Jesus. And we need to see Jesus. And He's passing by. And we need a vantage point to see Him. Don't let Him pass by. And we don't know where He's at. And He can be here and gone and we never see Him. We need to see Jesus. I want us to stand right now this morning. I want us to come right real quickly, right around this altar, everybody that will, just for a few minutes. I want us to come right now without any music, and I want us to lift our hands to God in heaven, and I want us to ask Him to allow us to see Him. We need to see Jesus. Come on, friend, just come worshiping. We don't have to be that silent. Let's worship the Lord.
Hallelujah. Everybody that will, come and worship Jesus. Father, we need to see you this morning. Master, there's something about you, something about your life that makes us desire you and makes us want you. God, let us see you this morning. Let us see your works, Father. Let us see the desires of your heart. Let us see the comfort, Master, that you give us. Let us see, O oh God, beyond this veil of tears. Father, let us see the injustice pass and realize that one of these days you're going to come and change it all. God, some way touch our life this morning. Some way let the blood of Jesus Christ clean us from all sin and from all iniquity, Master. And let us climb the cross of Calvary with you. And there behold the salvation of the entire world if they would only believe in you. Jesus, we pray this morning that we could from our vantage point that thou hast lifted us in praise and in worship and in assurance, Father, and in faith and in service, Father, that we can see you. Don't pass us by, Master, without you look up and see us there and realize we are there. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would motivate our lives.